Hi, my name is Jonathan Darty, and I'm the founder of Gateway to Freedom, and I used to be addicted to porn and sex. Gateway to Freedom is our workshop for men who want to overcome any kind of sexual struggle or stronghold. It's conducted over three days in a safe, private setting with professional counselors and experts in dealing with sexual brokenness issues. Now, space at each workshop is limited to ensure the highest quality of personal attention. And the workshop is available throughout the year in several locations around the United States. Hundreds of men over the years have found hope and healing through Gateway to Freedom, and I believe you can too. Our next workshop is coming up September 27th through the 29th in Pennsylvania. You can register by calling 1-800-49-PURITY, that's 1-800-497-8748, or by visiting BeBroken.com. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Broadcast. My name is Jonathan, and I'm glad to have you here with us. Uh, we've got my special friend, Stephen hey. Cervantes, here. Of course, when I say special friend, I got—I I don't know how I should qualify that. Yeah, that I feel special. special. I feel special. My Extra special, friend. special yeah. friend today. And you look so sharp, because whenever yeah. we do the webinars, oh. right, this is a webinar day. Oh, that's right. So you got your white up. shirt oh. and your red tie, and you just that's look like... It. Uh, you look like you go from here and sell insurance if you need this to. This is my uniform, right? <laughs> this is it. White shirt. I need to get I with don't. the program, but I just do not do ties. I mean, yeah. I'm like the only, the only time you're going to see me in a tie is when I'm in a coffin. Uh, if, I never wore ties, and then a guy in my office started wearing ties, and then I felt underdressed. Oh, he was in okay. a tie. I wasn't. It's was like, okay. So I started wearing ties, and, and I like it. Yeah. And then I've learned to like it now. That's awesome. Well, listeners, we're always grateful that you're with us. Uh, you know, we would really uh, ask that you consider sharing the program um, with others. So when we, you know, every single week through our social media outlets of Facebook and Twitter, we always post the latest um, programs from the website. And we'd encourage you, if if you're willing, please share those. Share them through your social media channels so that more people could be exposed to um, the resources we have here. I also want to share with you um, one other resource that we have launched. Um, we actually launched it over the summer. It's called our Recovery Discovery um, video series. It's actually, we call them three-minute recovery discoveries. And what we're doing is we're taking various aspects of the recovery journey, principles of recovery, like making amends or confession, um, you know, forgiveness, those types of things. And and actually doing I'm doing three minute videos on that, just little snippets to help people kind of get a a real practical way to deal with all of those issues in recovery. And so if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, which is just puresexradio.youtube.com, or just go to our puresexradio.com website, you can get to all of those recovery discoveries. I think we've got maybe about 20 of them up there now. Um, but hopefully those can also be something that you can use or share, or if you're doing a small group or if you're mentoring somebody, it's a great way to get conversation going around the key elements of recovery. So, Stephen, we're going to talk about uh, thoughts on sexuality, right? Because, yes. hey, we're the pure sex radio program. <laughs> we better talk about and sex so, once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so I'm fortunate, and so are you, to work with men— and to listen to these guys, and then we get permission to repeat a few of their statements uh, as a way for a man to build another man, 
and we're in the men building business mm-hmm. and um and we thank you for letting us be your trainers um uh, we've been doing this for a little bit and you've been following for a little bit and so we say thank you for that and thank you for the contributions of funds to support the program and thank you for supporting us with ideas and just letters of encouragement and texts and you know all that's good stuff so thank you for the part you play so one gentleman says uh, I've come in for some help, uh, but I have this problem. I want to be a man of honor because I heard that, that we're supposed to be men of honor. And that's, I want that. That's my goal. I want to be a man of honor, but I'm in, but I'm involved in some out of control sexual behaviors, but, but I want to be a man of honor. Can you help me? Hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I would look at it this way. So, yes, you absolutely can be a man of honor. And I would say at this, you can be a man of honor even as you struggle through those issues. I mm. think sometimes we make this seem mutually exclusive as if um, being someone who stumbles along the journey somehow is mutually exclusive between from being an honorable man. And I don't think those have to be oil and water. Uh, to me, it's about... What's the trajectory of your life? For instance, I think there's a difference between stumbling in the right direction yes. and somebody who is living in their sinfulness. In other words, like I'm, I'm immersing myself. I'm going all in. I'm not even trying to live in a righteous way. Does that make sense? Yes. And so to me, I, it's like, hey, you want to be a man of honor? Great. When you fall, get up, confess, repent get into community, mm. move forward, you know? So it's, it, it's not rocket science, but it does take intention, I think. So if a gentleman said to you, I don't want to be the person I have become. I don't want to be the person that I have become. Well, what I'd say good say? news. You, uh, you probably weren't at some point the person you have become, so that means change is possible. Right? Yeah. So it's like in the same way that we can change in the negative, I believe we can also change for the positive. So you don't want to be the person that you've become? Great. You've already you've already demonstrated that change is possible. Not in the direction you wanted to go. <laughs> but hey, because change is possible, it can happen the other way too. So there's hope. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You know, sometimes guys will come in and say, uh my life is, is out of control, uh, and my wife knows now, and so I have to change because my wife knows. Well, here's what I would say to that is, okay, if, if your wife is your motivator, is like the source of your motivation for change, that will not last. And the reason for that is because... Um, that's a that's a part of your circumstance that does not that's not a fixed point meaning she's she can always change mm. plus she may not always be there so if i make my motivation for change something that doesn't have a fixed nature to it then i'm going to always be my motivation's only going to be tied to that one thing so for instance let's say she dies or leaves or whatever else if my motivation has been, I just want my wife, because my wife knows about this, and now I, 
I want to be, quote unquote, a man of integrity for her. Well, that may sound noble. That's not necessarily a bad thing to want to try to be a man of integrity for her. But if she's the source of your motivation, that's not a good motivation. Like what I had to finally do, I mean, when my wife left, that actually helped me have a better motivation because it was like, okay, she said she's never coming back. She didn't want to have anything to do with me. And so I had to think through what is the, what's the baseline for my motivation to become a man of integrity and it had to ultimately come down between me and God. Hmm. In the sense of, no, my motivation needs to be because there is a fixed point in eternity called the creator, Hmm. the creator God who is immutable. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, he is the one that is the creator of all things. He's the one that, you know, gets to determine how we are to live. And so therefore, my motivation needs to be connected to him because that's a part of my life that won't move. Right. You know what I mean? Well, she might be happy or half happy or not happy, and she's going up and down. She might like me, not like me. Yeah, and, and at that's any point in work. my life, there will never be a point at which God is not, you know, mm. present or that God is not um, available. Does and that make should sense? be the focus and should be, yeah. right, where, who you're trying to please ultimately. And then even in that, I think there's a growth curve. There's a growth curve that says initially my motivation for pursuing what was right was out of a sense of brokenness over just how much I had violated God's standard for how I was designed to live with my sex in, in, as a sexual being. But it, then it grew to be less out of um, fear and guilt to more out of recognizing just the grace and mercy and kindness of God. And so my motivation became much more about loving God and wanting to please him because he's my father, not out of fear because he's my judge. Mm. And so I think there's even a progression there in our motivation, even in relationship to God. I do think sometimes we start out with a motivation that says, my goodness, yes, I have violated his law. He's a righteous judge. I'm, I'm a mess here. But then when we begin to understand his grace and his love and his father heart, mm, even our motivation for doing what is right changes. Yeah, good. So I have a lot of discomfort talking about sexuality. There's a lot of unknown... There's a lot of shame. No one talked to me. The only talk about sexuality here is guys joking. This is hard. This is a hard topic. Yeah. Sexuality is a hard topic. That's the whole that's the whole reason I wrote the Grace Based Recovery book is we need grace filled environments oh. in which people can share their stories. Because one of the things that we've found, you and I both know this. When you can get a man, and a lot of times we're talking about men here because that's we are men and we deal with men, and so this isn't to exclude women. I think it's true for women as well. But we see that when when we get a man into an environment where he doesn't just think he's safe, but he feels that he's safe, mm. doesn't that open the floodgates for him to be able to tell the truth about his story? This is so fabulous because... We'll go to these weekends and we create a place for men to talk and men will say, I've said things here I've said to no one. Yeah. They'll say, you know me better than my own brother knows me. Mm. And I've known him all my life. Yeah. But I told you guys things I would not tell anyone. 
but they're inside me and they bother me and I need to get them out. So that's a message to to leaders out there, people who are uh, facilitators of environments for whether it be, you know, Sunday school classes or small groups or support groups or or any number of, you know, just environments where maybe ministry is going on or where community is happening. Um, it is on us as leaders to be intentional about creating specific environments that are safe enough for somebody to say, I'm really struggling with my sexual thoughts. I've really been struggling with pornography. Um, I've, I've betrayed my marital vows by being unfaithful with a, mm. another person. You know, being able to unpack some of those things so that now next steps towards healing can take place. Because I think until we have an environment where a person feels safe enough to get all of their brokenness out, there's not much hope for change in that person's life. That's good. And cleaning it out sort of helps. Opening up helps, right? Mm -hmm. Bringing some light helps. So I've had this thought I want to share with you and hear your feedback on. When you find a guy that's sexually acting out, and you peel it back, underneath it, something is not working. You might be depressed, you might be stressed, you might be angry, you might be wounded. But, but when you see acting out behavior, that's like fruit of a very troubled inner system, mm -hmm. the root. Yeah. And, and you and I have talked about this a lot, a lot. And I think, you know, in many ways you've, you've developed some good models for this, but I think we've, we've always been kind of trying to construct this, um, you know, this picture, so to speak, right. Of how, what does this look like in the human person? And, and I, I do think that there is often the thing that's on top that is seen, mm -hmm. right. But then there's the thing that's the actual problem that's underneath it that's often unseen, probably not even in some ways maybe even unknown consciously to the person mm. that's struggling. So, for instance, you have – let's take this issue of just um, uh, anger, right? Here's a guy looking at porn all the time. And then when maybe you as a counselor in our ministry, we get to a point where we're starting to unpack the underneath and we might make a statement to this guy of like, you, know, you seem like you're carrying a lot of anger. I always find it a little bit funny when they fire back in anger <laughs> that we're totally wrong. We're off base. I didn't. I didn't come here to talk about. I came here to talk about my porn problem. It's like you made me. I angry. think we nailed it. I think we hit it. But you know what I mean. Sometimes yeah. you're not even aware. So the thing is, I think it's helping people travel down to that lower thing that sometimes can feel like it has no connection to sex or sexuality at right. all. Right. Yes. Uh, they might say, well, what, what do you mean? What does my depression have to do with my sexuality? Mm -hmm. And so I think part of what we try to do is help them see those connections. Um, and, and when you start dealing with the root, then it naturally alters the fruit, right? Yes. Good. So that's number one. There's some kind of ugly mood, stress, depression, anger, irritability. And let but me say you, just one more thing about that, because you've taught me a lot on this, and that's really what we've been doing a lot through these um, emotional training for men webinars, mm. is so many times what is that underneath layer is 
absolutely tied into your emotional system. Yes. It's the emotional self that has deep brokenness and, um, you know, a lot of twisted um, history that then needs to actually be addressed. And then, mm-hmm. and then that has a profound effect on behavior. Moving yes. Forward. You sound smart. Well, I've hey, been listening to you for no, a long time. <laughs> number two, when you find a sexual acting out guy, you also find a guy that has no joy, who has no fun, right? Mm-hmm. Who's, who's in pain. Yeah. Or you, what you find is you find things that, that have the appearance of fun or the appearance of joy, but sometimes it's more of like uh, a, a pursuit of adrenaline or some kind of pleasure rush or something. So, for instance, you might have this guy that's you know, totally addicted to porn, having multiple affairs on his wife, but, man, he goes water skiing and skydiving, and he does, you know what I mean? So it looks like he's a fun guy, right? All of that is, is usually a masquerade. It's, it's Right, I think he's pursuing joy Yeah, and pursuing fun. But he doesn't but think, have it. He doesn't possess it. I don't think he it. has yeah. it in his being. Right. Because, because remember, they're getting a supplement. If you're totally happy with joy, you don't need supplements, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm making four points. When you see a sexual acting out guy, you see a guy that's not really taking care of himself. Mm. How does that make any sense? Yeah. So... Um, one of the ways that I see this the most is one of the key elements, I believe, of self-care is knowing how to rest well. And I, when I mean rest, I don't mean like just sleep. I mean like you know how to, you know how to have a peace in your soul. There's a, yes. there's a calm to your being. You know, mm-hmm. how, to, you know how, to have, how to have good balance and good margin in your life between things like work and home and all that. And for the guy who is, you know, sexually broken and really pursuing those things there's a constant churning mm. like he's probably even afraid of being uh, by himself because he knows he's just going to manage that time poorly and so therefore there's a constant anxiety i think that happens and so he doesn't know how to rest well and so therefore he doesn't know how, he's not caring for himself that's just one aspect no that's good and i'm looking at you thinking hey that was you oh absolutely you yeah. were crazy in the head at one time and now you play golf. Yeah. You go for long walks, chasing balls <laughs> in the trees, right? Yeah. Is, is that, does that qualify as rest to you? Yeah. And that's why that's one that's quick to come to my mind is because it's so close to me. But I think you could have other things too. You have poor eating habits and things like that that people latch on to that's poor self-care because they're just, they're just, there's not a sense of peace in yes, their being. Yes. <clears throat> so my fourth point, when you find a guy that's sexually acting out, you find that he's using sex as a way of coping with stress, job stress, relationship stress, parenting, life-changing stress. Yeah, and I would, I would say it this way. What, the coping mechanisms become like a, a medication, like a prescription. So in other words, if if I have stress at work, then I need to take the quote-unquote pill of my sexual acting out. If I have, you know, a, a, an argument with my wife, then I need to take the, the pill of sexual acting out. It's almost like he's learned to just respond to every stressor in life 
with his prescription yes. of sexual acting out. And that creates, in some ways, that almost becomes a like a Pavlov's dog type of, mm. you know, response where it's like almost without him even having to think about it, if he, if his body begins to experience stress, he has learned, oh. I always go <laughs> yes. to sexual acting out. So this is why when guys get into recovery, sometimes it can be very difficult for them at first to, to make a different decision when they feel stressed because it's woven into their very biology now. Yes, that's right. Like if and I feel on stressed. several levels, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're, I just answered this statement, why it doesn't make sense, but I still want you to repeat. Okay. Whatever, okay. <clears throat> so individuals come into us and say, I have a control issue. I, I just want to control myself. Teach me to control myself. Now, why doesn't that work? Because it's very simple, and on the, on the surface, that's what they can grab is, oh, out of control, in control. Okay, teach me to be in control now. Well, probably because the problem is, is they're already controlling. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm but, listening. But it's like, you know, when I, when I hear a person say, I want to be in control, it's almost like, you know, what they're trying to say is I want to make better decisions, right, about my my acting out. In other words, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But they're, but probably if we start breaking down their life, they've got a stranglehold on every area. In other words, they've got to be either right or they're already trying to control everything anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that works well to then say, hey, I want to be in control. It's like, well, you're probably already a control freak. It is. Well, my my thought was that's a simple answer. Just get in control. Everybody will tell you, just stop it. Control it. But we just said four reasons. I don't take care of myself. I've got ugly moods going on. Right? We said I've got stress in my life and a and uh anger and no fun and no pleasure and I got all these deep things that are torturing me and my soul. And I use my supplement to get away from that. And so when somebody says, hey, just teach me how to control it, it's like, that's a little surface thing. Right. We're working in the wrong area here. You got pain in your gut. Mm-hmm. Deal with the pain in well, your gut. Well, the other gut. thing, too, is is that kind of simplistic answer it keeps somebody only focused on the symptom, right, which is just the behavior. And so if I if I stay with that, I will absolutely miss all of these other things regarding self-care and coping and the underlying emotional issues. Yes. And so this is why I think we see a lot of guys in recovery that get, grow very frustrated with their recovery because they're they're adding to their existing exhaustion yes. another exhausting thing. Set of behaviors. Yeah. Get control. Right. Do this. Do that. That'll fix it. Just work on the surface with tweaking three things. Right. But then the deeper program hijacks them. Yeah. And then they mess up. Well, the irony is, especially when we're talking about this issue of of a guy, his coping mechanisms, let's say, being in response to stress. So he's already gotten a pattern woven deep into his biology, right? That the moment he starts feeling a twinge of stress for any reason, he's used to going to his acting out. So now what we're saying in recovery is add some more stress to your life. And get control. And get control. And that's stress it's like, and get control. It's no wonder then that he might even start acting out more <laughs> because he's like, my, I'm well, already he'll trained. He'll shake his head and he'll, uh, he'll walk away with a yes, 
But he can't do it. Yeah, just he's said. like, I'm already trained to respond to stress yeah. by going to my acting out behaviors. So what do you say to this guy? It feels like I can't stop. I want to stop fighting against myself, but it feels like I can't stop. Mm. Well, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's what it feels like. That is what it feels like. And I think, um, man, shame comes into this so much. Just mm. the, the, you've, when you start looking at the, the lies that a person's been believing that triggers them, um, the behavior. I, all and I think, I think this that... also speaks to the control issue again. I just want to stop. I just want to oh, stop, you know? Oh, that's good. Right. And it's, and it's like, um, I had just good control, the control-stopping tool, if I could just get the control-stopping tool. The other thing, too, is I think this feeds the false belief that if I never acted out, I would be an emotionally mature, healthy man. Think about that. Oh, if I never acted out, then I would be mature and healthy. I think that's some of what the thinking is behind this. Like... But if the, I was sexually perfect, and well, like control, what they're saying good. is the answer to all of my problems is if I could just stop acting out. Yeah, and and we we've noticed this, right? We we learned this early on in the ministry that we would see guys that would effectively stop behavior, and their wives would call us angry because they're worse men now. <laughs> than they were when they were acting out because they weren't understanding the need to deal with the underlying issues. That's right. So it's like, hey, they got control, right? I haven't acted out in six months, but I, I have not grown up. I've not matured. I've not grown and become healthier. That's right. As That's a man. good. So here's the question. If you overdeveloped your sexuality by acting out, what did you underdevelop? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Because the mm. thing is, you know, we, we know this even biologically in our brains, right? That our brains crave balance. If you think about your brain as having these various compartments, you know, you got the basically the front portion, the back portion, these kind of things. And if you thought about your brain as um, kind of having lights in it, and so when you're active, when one part of your brain is active, it lights up. So basically, what this means is the in many cases those who develop overdevelop sexual acting out it's like the back part of their brain lights up much more than the front part of their brain mm. so there's an imbalance but the thing is biologically your your body your brain craves balance so it's going to constantly be trying to figure out how do i i'm going to have to deplete here in order to come over here and and so the thing is is then what that does in the brain is the prefrontal cortex which is kind of the brakes on your decision making it's where you actually have reasoning and cognitive right. it starts to dim well that's a bad formula because you want full lights on you're driven you're by saying. yeah you want you want uh you want everything to kind of be lit up equally so to speak mm. balance if the back part of your brain which is really about impulse and drive and that kind of stuff is overpowering the front part of your brain you're going to keep making very, very poor mm. decisions. So I think it is a good question to ask, okay, what's been underdeveloped? And a lot of times it gets to those issues of, hey, I'm emotionally stunted. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not good at relationships and bonding. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have much discipline around my spiritual life. Oh, and right. so you start realizing all the things that are underdeveloped. So one guy said, well, which one, when you talk about sexuality, should I call myself a sex addict or should I just say I have out of control behaviors, out of control sexual behaviors? Well, how do you talk about this topic? 
Yeah, I used to quibble a lot over these particular words. Um, I, I don't as much anymore because I think the longer that I've been doing this, the more I realize we, when we start peeling back the layers of our lives, we're far more alike than we are different. I think it can help initially to just be able to say, what am I struggling with on the identity side? And what am I struggling with on the behavioral side? So the, I, the thing is, there are fa- I guarantee you, if I'm acting out sexually in unhealthy ways, then what's happening is I, I've got some false beliefs about myself, about God, about sexuality. Mm. And then those are... So that's the identity That's the identity side. side. And those are then driving behaviors. And so if I can start to kind of unpack it that way, I'm, I'm less concerned about getting the perfect label to put on a person... Yeah. Um, it, the, what I will typically ask a person is, um, are you saying you want to be different? Are you saying you would like to have that aspect of your life changed? And if they say, yeah, it's like, I don't care what the label is. Let's get busy growing. Right. Let's growing, go. You know? Right. Cause I heard, I've heard a couple of thoughts on this. Don't call yourself a sex addict because God doesn't call you a sex addict. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't put a label on you. We're the redeemed. Right. But out of control behavior is fluid. I can learn control, I can practice discipline, right? One is one is an identity issue and the other is a behavioral issue. And so yeah. work on it as a behavioral issue so we don't muck up, who are you really? Yeah. I'm a child of God, that's who I am. Well, hey, we're out of time. Um, listeners, we hope that these have been maybe helpful for you in thinking through your own life and your own struggles with sexuality. If you've got some additional ideas for us or even some questions for us, please reach out to us at puresexradio.com or you can even message us on Twitter at puresexradio. Uh, we want to come alongside and help as best we can in your journey. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. God bless. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.